0: Hi, what's up, weirdos? Welcome to Cultivator of Weird, coming to you from Greenpoint, Brooklyn, where we talk to creatives from all backgrounds to find out more about how they do what they do and what makes up their own personal brand of weird. Today, we have Dave Roth with us all the way from Paris, France, making the French connection. Uh, Dave's the head of bars for Covina and Roof at Park South Hotel right here in Midtown Manhattan on 26th and Park Avenue. We talked to Dave about his run to win the Diageo Startender Tender competition. That landed him a sweet spot behind the bar at the Oscars last year, where he bumped into the likes of Quentin Tarantino and completely missed Joaquin Phoenix. Just cold rolled the Joker. We chat about his current situation, living with his girlfriend on lockdown in Paris and so much more. You can find Dave on Instagram at Davey underscore drinks or behind the bar at Covina. He is an awesome guy, an incredible barman, and we had a great time talking. I really hope you enjoy it. Uh, before we get into the episode, I want to thank my friend, My GXD Beats, for the awesome intro track he made. You can find his music at mygxd.beatz on Instagram. Um, really hope you enjoy this episode and all of the other ones we are getting ready to release. Um, you can find us wherever podcasts are, uh, Apple, Spotify, Anchor, Um, and we'll be releasing episodes once a week, if not more. And uh, yeah, enough of that. Let's uh, let's get to this first episode. I had a great time talking to Dave, and I really hope you enjoy it. Sir. can you hear me yeah i got gotcha. you
1: all right what's going on uh i am here in paris france i've been here for a month uh there are worse places to be like the sun's about to go down in our little neighborhood nice um, and i am just sitting here wondering when it's gonna be okay to come back to the u.s
0: Cuomo seemed very confident today that they're flattening the curve, but, uh, still would not give anybody any definite information on travel and or leaving their fucking houses. So, um,
1: I don't think you ever met my roommate and you and I worked together a couple of years ago. Do you yeah. need me to turn up or now? No, no, no. You're good. Uh, okay. Um, he works for the department of office um, emergency office management in Bergen County, New Jersey, where I live. And, uh, he's like, dude, do not come home. It hasn't even spiked yet, and then after a spike, it still has to come down. He's like, "What? What are you doing?" And even then, because he's OEM, I'm I have to self quarantine for fourteen days. Yep. So I'm looking at three to four weeks, probably still at least before I even decide to come home. And I'm not gonna lie to you, I got it, I got it kind of made here I'm with my girlfriend. We got a little place to stay. The markets are open. I can go for a run. There there is a lockdown and there are a lot of restrictions, but I would rather be here than Bergen County, New Jersey, or or even worse, New York City. Why fly back into the storm? You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, so I I guess uh, if for a lot of reasons, I'm curious how you're able to pull this off. But like, are you guys are you guys um, still able to collect uh, unemployment and everything over there? Or are you being paid still from your gig? Like, what's going on?
1: My, my job, Cushman Concepts, has always been really good to me. Um, I seem to fucking luck out somehow. I took my vacation the week of the virus coming in. Um, so I took like one week of PTO, paid time off. Mm-hmm. And they, my flight got canceled. And then work was gonna, work laid everybody off. So the whole building is shut down. Uh, and they were going to pay, I think, whatever else PTO they could. I am not able from outside the United States to claim unemployment. I tried online. Not going to happen. I can't, get any, I can't get through to anybody. I sent an email. They have hundreds of thousands of emails to go through. So I check every couple days. Um, I've even thought about asking somebody from back home just to fill it out for me sure. from an IP address that's in the U.S., but the last thing I saw yesterday, and I took a picture of it was, or a screen grab or whatever was, whenever I can get home, and this isn't verbatim what they're saying, this is what I'm saying. When, as soon as I can get home and file, and I have my date that I'm actually laid off, they'll be able to pay me back. I'm not in a rush to get that money. It would be nice. I, I seem to be maybe a little bit better off financially than some people, but still, that money is going to go by real quick with mortgage payments, the car payment I just put off any other bills, everything I'm doing right now for last month has been on my credit card bill. Yeah. So I got to pay for it somehow. I'm lucky that I'm not sweating watching my, my, my bank account go down. Yeah, yeah, Cause when I get home, I can be like, I can, I can cry poverty. I've been stranded in Paris for, it's probably going to be a total of, you know, almost two months. That's wild, and man. That it's, again, it's, you know, I feel anxious to get home sometimes, but to what What am I getting home to? I would be doing this there and then I would be freaking out because my girlfriend's from here. She's, she lives in Paris that, uh, is she okay? How's she eating? Is she sick? You know what I mean? And she wasn't uh, too healthy when I got here and we went to the doctor and she had some symptoms where it was a respiratory infection that was really bad, but it wasn't coronavirus. So, you know, you got to kind of pick and choose your battles. And right now I picked to not be back home, freaking out about her over here and, Kind of just fighting the boredom over here, and again, it it could be worse. I think they're a bit more ahead of the curve, but like I said, we 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 can go out for a walk to the market. We got to have like a special piece of paper saying that we're going out to the store, and and it you know lists the date and a list the time, and you will get fined if you're out just dicking around. And then if I want to go for a run because I've been running a little bit, I can go at after seven now where there's a lot less foot traffic. So strategically, you can do things. And if you want to just go for a walk around the neighborhood, you probably could. You're not going to get stopped, but just write it down on a piece of paper. But People are getting fined because they're like blowing it off and they're going to the parks. And if you can be a little bit smart about just to get out of the fucking house or, hey, you go this way, I'll go this way. we will meet back up just to be in a small space with somebody you love for a long period of time could be a definite fucking game changer and deal breaker. But you you got to kind of figure it out.
0: It weighs a toll, man. It really does. I, I I don't know if you guys are are able to get the news from from over here, but uh, what you were saying about people getting fines and stuff um, for for hanging outside, uh, the governor of California just told people in LA that or it might have been might have been the uh, the one of the council members in LA, but they instituted a law that says that if you, they're they're giving rewards to people now for. Uh, ratting out their neighbors if they're outside in in like social situations or having barbecues or doing anything like that you can get a reward for for snitching on people which is a completely uh, um, diminishes even more um, the idea of community that's already been kind of shattered but adds an element of like this sinister nature to it where you're like all right so I I I can't go outside and see anybody, but the people I can view through my window, um, I, I'm going to snitch on them and, and, you know, gain some whatever min- minutia financial gain from. And it, I just found it so petty and stupid, man. I mean, the, the police are out there doing their thing. And rightfully so, you know, Cuomo instituted the fines here and doubled them for people outside being social. They've closed down every social kind of like basketball courts, playgrounds, all that stuff. And I think within reason that's all you can do and leave people their their devices. But that really blew my mind today, man.
1: Um, yeah, there's a bit of a de-evolution here, but I think it seemed like the US, from what I'm gathering, just really hasn't taken it as seriously as some other countries. And where we are in our little section of Paris, it's nobody's really doing anything. You know what I mean? It's They're they're walking to the store, they're getting, and again, we're not in an area where we can go to Costco or Walmart and get a lot of things. I'm not buying, we're not buying food or supplies for the week. You're buying it for the day. And that's what I've learned about the difference in cultures is a lot of people here, they go to the market, it's their daily routine. They they get their food for the day or maybe two days. Um, and that one that gets us out of the house. And but that's that's the culture here. I guess some of the even the bigger box stores are far, far away from here. But I'm like, the, the apartments here in Paris aren't even set up for that kind of, I wouldn't say hoarding, but mass, you know, uh, accruing of, of of supplies. Yeah, yeah, when yeah. I, when I saw toilet paper and I didn't need it, I'm like, let's get it. She's like, why? There seems to be plenty. I'm like, let's just get it right now instead of tomorrow <laughs> going, hey, we should have got it yesterday. So sure. supplies aren't that bad, but the later you go to the store, the less choice you have. And right now it seems like things are, are being replenished quicker or people aren't hoarding as much um, toilet paper, wine, beer, some of the, you know, the best choice, of meats, people are going early to get the best things, but it's still not that bad. Um, Would I imagine? And I check in back. I check in with my friends from New York. I check in with my friends from New Jersey. I check in with my friends from Connecticut about what's going on. And like that toilet paper thing is, is, it's it's so preposterously hilarious and not even in, in a funny way. You're like, oh my god, like that's just that should be a fundamental. You know, I mean, healthcare I mean, and something to wipe your ass with.
0: Well, simply the fact that like there there was never so you know when the news broke and all of this kind of started to go out, uh, kind of uh, go crazy. It seemed like people were were just. They were kind of like jumping into uh, uh, like a natural disaster cycle where they thought for some reason that the water was going to be tainted or that stores weren't going to be stocking groceries. And even after they told people that shit was going to continue to be stocked. They were still going and just buying toilet paper and mass. And it's like, what do you guys think is going to happen? Do you think that the coronavirus is going to infect the, the tap water? Or, or do you think that we're, the water is going to get shut off for some reason? I mean, yes, it's a virus. It's an infectious disease. But, you, you know, it, I, I, it's just this horde mentality of like, oh, other people are doing it. So I should definitely do that. Because if they're doing it, they have to know something that I don't. And people, they, it's, it's like they don't, they're not even thinking for themselves. It's wild.
1: I wonder if I wonder if people cuz I've been reading like there's spikes in gun sales uh back home that maybe some people are thinking that this is going to turn into civil unrest and it might back home it hasn't here and the closer i think you get to the spike the lesser anything's going to happen and i think you have some people all the time saying this is the sign that something finally civil unrest, the race war, something, something create the overthrow of the government, something crazy is going to happen. So we need to be prepared, which is weird because one of the things we realized is you should probably have all this stuff at your house all the time. Anyways, you should have canned goods. What if a storm just hits for the weekend? You should have plenty of toilet paper, plenty of paper towels. Uh, You should have canned goods, a can opener. You should kind of be prepared albeit maybe on a minor scale in this, but not freaking out. You know what I mean? Because if everybody didn't freak out, it would be like a calm, cool, collected cue.
0: Yeah. Not, I need to... Kind of speaks to this this, uh, this new culture change and, uh, um, uh, uh, you know this This new direction that things have taken where everything is kind of instant gratification, and you could basically order every supply you need weekly to your house from Amazon or like buy anything you need on seamless if you want to eat at the end of the night and you're i mean you're absolutely right, especially in a place like Paris where you know the refrigerators aren't as big and the pantries aren't as large it's like they didn't build the 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 apartments or homes there that way because. They're a more you know frugal uh, society. They they do that because they go and they buy what they eat. They make it and then they go to the market the next day. There's cheese shops and butcher shops and you know I mean it, patisseries. I mean you don't go out and buy a month's worth of, of groceries. You go out and pick up what you need for the next couple of nights and then you you do that it, it, rinse and repeat. It was
1: really neat. Again, I I'm this is my third time in Paris. Um, and I'm, I'm a Northeast guy. I'm wound up really tight. I'm super high, strong. Anybody that knows me knows that about me. I don't like being that way, but one of the things besides the occasional freak out of like, Oh my God, I'm not home. I don't know. I'm getting home. Like, I feel like my blood pressure has just dropped because I don't feel this giant weight that. New York City or being in in the Northeast has on me, and every time I would go to Southern California, and just kind of relax or Costa Rica, I could feel that weight just kind of coming off. I don't feel that here, even though there's stress and a different kind of stress. I know that I'm safe. I know that we can eat, and it just felt nice to have this kind of. I wouldn't. I don't even know if it's a laissez-faire attitude, but just like, okay, what time do you want to go to the market? What do we feel like having? It's Yeah, it's just definitely more of a daily thing as, as opposed to stressing out about the whole week. And I really, I really really like that because it's kind of, I wouldn't call it culture shock, but I'm like, the cultures are just different where it's nice to go to the store. It's nice to say hi to your butcher. There is a pharmacy, a boulangerie, uh, a, a bakery, uh, bakery um, a butcher shop on almost every corner or every other corner. And like, you know, I found out quickly where the best bakeries were. And that's important. People yeah. walk around with baguettes all the time here. And as a character of the French people, I found out quickly that baguettes are fucking delicious. You buy two because you're going to eat one on the way home. 100%. And it, <laughs> and, it, you know what I mean? And and that's it. And you just kind of eat and that. It's, it's I really enjoy this style. And I would yeah. like to see uh, more of it when when this is over. But um, yeah, when my girlfriend comes to New York and the United States, you know, she's... I'm blown away. Like, we went to Wegmans and the store is humongous. Uh, it's not like they don't have bigger stores, but there are just so many things and everybody's in a rush. And again, I live in northern New Jersey and it's almost as bad sometimes as New York City, where it's just people are so entitled. They want what they want and there's a lot, they have a lot of money and they just, like I said, feel entitled and everybody's on their schedule and go, go, go. They have places to be. Here, you might have that. I've seen some French people be complete assholes to other French people, which is refreshing, but it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's 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 definitely neat where it's it's very similar to back home, but it's not. And I think comparing yeah. New York to anywhere, or Paris to New York, or London, Tokyo to New York, it's it's kind of fun that New York is so amazing and there's so many shitty parts too, but that's part of its charm. But what if they could just tone down the shitty parts, just un petit peu, just a little bit, you know what I mean? It would be nice might make it a
0: nicer place to be man i i you know i don't know that we ever talked about this but i i i did live in i lived in paris for like two months right after college and i was studying there and uh that was one of my absolute favorite things about the city in general is just cruising by places and legit having to stop because i saw some shit in a window where i was like i need to put that in my body right now that needs to be yeah in my face and grabbing baguettes and fruit and a bottle of wine really quick and just going to a park and chilling out like you can do that in New York but for some reason when you're in Paris it just feels so much more natural and yeah I'm I feel sure. like we can adopt more of that it, it definitely but it, it exists on on a level there you know that that you don't see here what, what neighborhood are you guys staying in I'm I'm
1: in the 14th R&D okay. Small. so
0: yeah. we're about two
1: miles I'm trying to remember maybe south southish of or uh, so east of i think the eiffel tower yeah and it's cool it's it's already it's you know it's not a rich neighborhood at all but it's got a lot of history but it's not one of the oldest ones there's some catacombs here that i haven't been to but there's some really great restaurants obviously and there's a lot of art and culture here but excuse me it's a very working class overall neighborhood there's a, there's a college right down the street. It's like a mile down. So you see college kids running around the park, all the parks are closed. uh, So you can't get in there, but um, this just seems like a normal. And there's actually bits of, of, of money here. I found some side streets. I'm like, man, these houses are insane, but that could be almost any city uh, or any region or any, any little part of, of the city. And it, it was really, really neat. You know I mean? We walked over to the 15th r and Mont, which was really neat. And that didn't, that seemed a little bit more harder hit economically um, just in some of the spots. And the, the, I'm just surrounded by working class people or people that might be a little bit, uh, you know, less fortunate than others, but this is where Audrey lives for now. Um, she's looking to move. We're eventually looking to get her into the U S um, you know, she's looking at all the different pieces right now. It's currently harder under this administration to to get visas right now, yeah, not man. that that wasn't not that it wasn't difficult before, yeah, but you know what I mean it's you know we we want her to be there, and we want to kind of you know live our lives together there and you know even if we thought about doing the thing that we want to do, like getting married that that's. Even if we did that to expedite things, that wouldn't expedite things. You know what I mean? There would still we would have to document everything. And if we want to do it, we want to do it without having it seem like we're doing it for for the government, as opposed to when it felt right for us. You know what I mean? Sure, sure, sure. And now that's all on hold because I don't have a job. She's not sure where she's going to be getting her next, you know, rent paychecks from. Her both her parents live in two different parts of of France. Uh, My mom lives outside of Chicago. How do you plan a marriage if you even get to that? Yeah, You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. And then have to deal with all that other stuff because the game is we want to be together, but she still needs to come and work. She's a worker. She's, she does what we do. And many other things. I'm like, okay, well, you can't work unless you have a visa. And the visa would still take. Hypothetically, we got married tomorrow. I've heard six to nine months or longer just to get a, a visa to work. And that's yeah. a long time sitting around waiting for your boyfriend or husband to come home sitting in the house or whatever. So that's not cool. So we're trying to look at this strategically. And we, we've been thinking about since we got back together in the last year and a half, I'm like, okay, how do we do this? And then this is a giant, you know, fuck you to everybody. You know, this, would, you know this, this virus shutdown is, man, I don't even know what kind of world we're going back into in four to six weeks.
0: Yeah, that's kind of the crazy thought is like, you know, depending on how many of these places are able to reopen, you know, you're going to be you know, limited, I think probably for a while in terms of the amount of guests you're able to have, you're going to be, uh, you know, you're talking about skeleton staff because of that, even with, you know, the loan forgiveness, trying to ensure that people bring on their full, you know, full staff back. I don't think that's going to happen. Um, and then how many places are just going to straight up close. So you have a lot of people that are out of work right now. And they're like, yes, maybe I can collect unemployment or maybe I, maybe I can't. Um, and they, you know, this is a very, kind of insulated trade, you know, either you're able to work or you're not, it's not something that you can pivot into something else. You know, it's not like a, you know, a marketing degree where you can be like, all right, well, you know, I can apply to 35 different jobs in our, our, I think, you know, those 35 different jobs all kind of look the same. And if, if none of those places are available to hire you, not because you're not an able-bodied worker, but because it, it, the industry just doesn't exist uh, to that level. It's like, it's a scary thought, man. And I, I hope it doesn't get to that point. But, um, you know, it's, it's definitely shit that's crossed my mind too. Um, you know. Before this hit, you know, we recently had two restaurants
1: that I, that I knew, bars and restaurants that I knew very well with, with, with incredibly talented staff that closed. And they closed kind of suddenly. And then you have, you know, maybe dozens and dozens front and back of the house people who are probably at the top of their game looking for work, you know what I mean? And everybody's already got their B's, you know, are they going to replace them with A's or, you know what I mean? If you're doing that whole ABC thing, but when, um, um, lost hours close, you know, my very good friend, Luis head bartender and, you know, he just, they gave him kind of two weeks to figure it out. And then he was freaking out. And then what was it? Um, uh, the, the, uh, Cuban dead rabbit closed down uh, yeah. black tail. Mm-hmm. That was, that was a whole bar full of completely talented people. Everybody, the hostesses, the waitresses, I'm sure the back of the house guys, the dishwasher, super talented. They wouldn't work for those companies they weren't. And it clearly they didn't all get absorbed into the other spots that those places had. And like, what do those people do? And then if they did get a job after those places closed, then they're out of fucking shit luck again, you know yes. what I mean? And then, I'm enjoying this break because I know once I go back to work, I'm going to work my ass off. That's what I do. And I, I, like, I feel confident Covina will reopen to some degree. And I think it will be busy to some degree as much as the state or federal government says. And I feel I'm lucky to be in that position. We'll see what happens. But other people, not so sure. You know, I'm wondering about the roof. I'm wondering about, oh, yeah. I'm wondering about my, my immediate friends and coworkers, the people that you know. How are they, how is this all going to unfold? You know yeah,
0: what I mean? Man. Well, just- but I don't know. Because we didn't do this at the beginning, uh, uh, just kind of bring me up to speed on what you've been up to. I know you just won a really dope cocktail competition. Like what? what the last like six months has been like for you before all this shit hit.
1: So things have been good for me. Covina has been- um always very busy um we have a good team there i felt like a really good fit um they encouraged me to travel and take classes and compete um i'm very competitive by nature um and i entered the Diagio don julio 2020 Starback back competition didn't tell you at if- first was and it was like day and Don julio cocktails um there were four markets i think miami houston new york and chicago maybe maybe there was another one um i think there was another one anyways um and uh you know i went in um to it was like a i had to be there like noon or 11 or 10 in the morning uh in new york city i'm like ah fuck it i'll just park outside of work, take the six train down, whatever, go check it out, do the best I can and then leave. And, uh, I had a little idea of what I was going to do, but not a lot. And I saw a bunch of people I know, like, you know, my favorite Diageo rep, John Henderson, who asked me to come on down. And I was like, so I'm like, "Ah, I just don't want to come in last. You know what I mean? (laughs) And (laughs) that, That was it. I really didn't prep too much. I'm like, all right, I got some cool tequila drinks or riffs
0: or whatever i've been around a while maybe you know as long as i don't come in last why is it always the people that don't want to come in last end up winning the fucking race it's it's just always how it goes people that go in they haven't really planned they're just humble like group good like imaginative people and they're like you know what my goal is just not to lose and then they end up fucking winning almost every time that's always how it fucking works
1: i i went through the first i messed up on the first round and I think a lot of people did. You get it, you you know, kinda of get the jitters out. Cause you're doing what you do all the time, you're just doing it in a different spot. And I made my drinks wrong twice, but I caught it, said, Oh my God, I made the drink wrong. Like, you're doing fine. I'm like, cool. Let me so with with humility and, and confidence and just saying, Hey, let me let me run right back. I gotta grab a couple more ingredients. So like you got plenty of time. So I made my drinks. I, you know, I, 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 taste them. I know, I know the drinks that I would make are delicious. You know I mean? That's what I try to do. That's what I've always learned from working for Nauron Young for many years from working at Covita and for Ted Kilpatrick and working with people like Rafa Garcia Feebles. It's just put out the best possible version of that drink that you can make it delicious and make it fun. Yeah. I wasn't trying to like, I wasn't trying to do anything that I didn't do any other day. So what were uh, you making that, that, that
0: first round?
1: So the first round, it was uh, tequila highballs, and it was make. Um, and this was all timed. The first round of the first competition for, for regionals was make an El Diablo, make a uh, tequila highball, make a Bloody Maria, and make one other thing. I want to say, I want to say Paloma but they had a Paloma in the next round. So it was like four highballs timed. And the cool thing was, you know, those little AXO cups that we had on the roof and downstairs at Covina?
0: Yeah, yeah. Those little
1: AXO jigs. Well, that's what they had on the table. I'm like, oh shit. So I watched everybody else kind of go and they're using them like one at a time. They're kind of using it as a jigger singularly where I'm used to building the whole drink into the jigger and dumping it. So the fact that I wasn't worried about time because I could build the drink, when I messed up, um, the, some of the drinks had to be Reposado and some Blanco. So I kind of messed up when I was talking what tequila I put into my drink. Oh, you know what the other one? Tequila Sunrise. That was Got the it. fourth one for <laughs> the first round. And I, I love tequila Sunrises. They're so dumb. So I made it. I told them how I did it. You know, a little agave, a little fresh lime. Why to add a fresh lime because I feel that uh, orange juice drinks are a little bit flabby and it's kind of like your acid adjusting right there. And then one of the judges said, like, what a compliment this is. This is the best tequila sunrise I've had all day. And I was the second last person to go. I'm like, that's cool. So after I realized I still didn't go over time after messing up two drinks and restarting them. like I felt a little bit confident, holding the place, um, and, and so I felt a little bit confident after that. I'm like, that didn't go so bad, and I, you know, retried all my own drinks. I'm like, man, these drinks are delicious. I'm like, I, I think, I, I think at that point I realized, and I tell this to people all the time when they compete because I try to consult a little bit. If you feel confident, chances are half these people are going to take themselves out. You're not trying to beat all these other people. You're trying to stay neck and neck with probably like four or five people that are there. You need to figure out who those people are. Uh because the other people again are they're just gonna mess up and take themselves out. Yeah. Don't be one of those people. And that's what I was telling myself. So you know you just gotta push forward. If I was at my own bar, I wouldn't stop. I would say, hey, if I messed up your drink, I'm like, oh my God, so sorry Chad. I used Blanco, you wanted Reposado. Let me remake that for you. Sure. And you do that. You know what I mean? And that's why I tried making jokes and doing little winks and um the second round was
0: jesus christ so we got into that the second round was my dad calls that running your own program by the way it's which that running your own up. program yeah he goes he's uh, uh you know he's just one of his like famous sayings and all dads have those but one of his like go-to things is uh you know you'll, you'll he'll be telling you a story and he'll allude to that somehow, you know, I fucking got into it with this guy. And I'm like, listen, I'm just running my own program. (laughs) I'm just doing what I do. (laughs) That's great. Oh, man. It's yeah. But that's, that's what you have to do, man. You got to do what you know, and, and uh, get out of your own way. And fucking, you know, that usually helps you shine even more.
1: So yeah, so I felt a little good. Uh, My friend, my coworker, Becky came. And the, 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 the competition was going way over time and she couldn't stick around. But she tried the drink. She's like, man, these are, these are pretty good. I'm like, these are all drinks I make at work or can make at work for guests. Like, oh, I've had your El Diablo already. What else can you get for me? Um, so you try to have a couple of back pocket drinks. Um, and at the second round, I don't remember what it was. I'm trying to remember what it was. And the second round was something, if I can, uh, maybe I'll circle back to it. And then the third round was mystery ingredient. Was that second round? Because so I was Once I realized the second round was over, I'm like, I think it's me. I think, I think I'm, I think I'm, I'm starting to pull away from everybody else. And then they did the. Uh, I'm super excited about it too. I forgot what it was. Ha. Huh. Um. Third round was mystery ingredient. And again, I was, they had the tables lined up at Bar Lab. Have you ever been down there, down in like um, um, Soho? Yeah, Soho yeah. Bar yeah. Lab. Cool little spot. And they had like these tables kind of going around. And the secret ingredient was green tea. I was like, what? <laughs> so they had green tea powder. They had green tea syrup. They had green tea bags and green tea something else. So I'm kind of not freaking out. I'm just trying to figure out what to do. And eventually I figured out, I watched everybody else work. I watched them grab their tequila bottles because you can, you can grow up and grab to the, the, to the table. And it was just kind of like an iron bartender competition. Grab what you need. You got a couple minutes, come back to your table and do everything. You could still run back to the table, but you were done prepping. So I'm sitting there looking and I was one of the last people to go on. I'm like, not one person, not one has touched that bottle of 1942. Uh, (laughs) i'm like i'm I'm gonna make a green tea and chocolate 1942 oaxacan old-fashioned and that's what i did that's what i did i garnished it with a little piece of chocolate that they had and put a little sprinkle of green tea powder on it the judges came over i told them about that i added a little bit of reposado because i love uh the don julio repo to that just kind of thinned it out a little bit just add a little bit more flaw notes still give it just a touch of green um and I walked them through it. I watched them taste it. No, wait. Yeah, I watched them taste it. Um, they, they just kind of looked, looked at each other. I kind of looked around. I'm like, did I just feel that? They got up. I straw tasted my drink and I just put my hands up. I'm like that's it. I knew I had it. <laughs> I knew I had it. And, and well, yeah, I was just like, so people, and as soon as I just walked away, I'm like, damn, I fucking nailed that. And then I walked, and then a bunch of other the other bartenders ran over and straw taste of my drink. I'm like, oh, that's a good sign right there. So I turned out winning, winning that one, which is it felt really good. Won a bottle of 1942. My roommate and I drank most of it that week. It's delicious, tequila. So that got me into the finals and they weren't telling you what it was. Uh they're like, it's a red carpet event with Charles Jolie, and like, and people like, um, which I wouldn't find out till after was. You know, people like um, Sean Kenyon were going to be there, and Leo DeGroff, and they're all part of the same clique. And I was like, man, I've met those guys before, and maybe not, no, I have met Sean before. I'm like, man, that's, that's, that's the guys I want to get in with. If they're like, hey, we need somebody in New York City to help us with Bar 5 Day or something like that. I want, I want my name to be on their lips. So my goal was to win that competition, not for the sake of winning, but for the long term of, how do I get how do I let Andy Seymour know, that I'm a guy he can count on to do events for him, whether it be the Oscars again or the Grammys or whatever it is that he's working on. Um, I want to I be in his stable of bartenders. So that was my end game. And then came the finals again at Bar Lab, um, probably like two weeks later. And it was three rounds again. And it was myself, somebody from Houston, somebody from Miami, somebody from Chicago. And I don't know. Maybe LA, San Francisco. All right. So nice. That's it. Okay. And I looked over and it was a bunch of kids. And I'm not saying that, like, I just realized, like, man, I'm the old man here. I probably have a lot more experience. Uh, I'm not cocky about it. Just sizing up going, okay. Um, three rounds, um, what the fuck was it? It was another fun highball round, I think. And then round two was... A celebration cocktail where you could do anything. And then the third one was, I think, Dealer's Choice. Man, I don't even know. And then I was like, probably midway through to go on. Out in the first round, I made my drinks and I realized the bartenders again were having difficulty with the tins. Like they were one, they had tin on tin. I always bring my own tools to a competition. Uh, It was tin on glass. You get up, you do your presentation, like, hi, I'm so and so. And a bunch of the bartenders had back of the house experience, which is amazing. I don't have that. I'm jealous. Sure. But what they didn't have was years and years and years of front of the house experience of you know what happens when you're when your tins you know it gets stuck together. You don't bang it a uh, bang it against the table, which I think two or three of them did. Oh god. Um. Yeah, and uh, they were just you know, and that sent them over in time, and that gets you flustered. And at that point, I realized. Out of the five, my out of the four other people here was probably me and one other dude that were going to be there. I watched his presentation. He started talking about another brand that wasn't in the Don Julio performance. Put his drink down, like um, freaked out a little bit. I'm like, "Hey, man, can I talk to you for a second?" He's like, "Yeah, what's up?" I'm like, "Why would you? You know this Don Julio competition, right?" I'm like, he's, he's like, "Yeah." I'm like, "Why would you talk about that other brand that isn't in the Diageo portfolio when you can been talking about?" the don julio brand just like that but you didn't you barely mentioned Don. when you talked about this other brand yeah fuck i'm like come on man you're here are you here to win or not so um i had been encouraged to learn more about the brand and learn more about don julio gonzalez learn more about bottle shapes anything to sprinkle in a little like know the brand without like sound like you're reading off a like a spec sheet sure so we did that everybody's drinks were pretty good i tried my first highball i don't remember what it was it was no that was the first one was the paloma and i nailed it i loved it wasn't getting fancy with the glassware not fancy with the garnishes um the second drink was celebration cocktail and you could do anything with that and like i don't know what to do so i watched everybody i watched somebody do a foam canister that didn't work during the competition so i don't know if that's something that that bartender did all the time at her bar but she couldn't get the canister to work. So she went over time. So again, oh, yeah. I'm watching bartenders take themselves out of the competition. Mm-hmm. One by one, one by one. Um, again, going over time. And I had the advantage where this just felt very naturally to me. I have the OXO cups. One guy made one drink instead of two because he had to make two for everything. Um, one for presentation, one for tasting. And again, a lot of it was just like watching bartenders just use these OXO jiggers where it's meant to be built the whole drink into the jigger as opposed to Doing it, you know, one thing at a time. Half ounce of this, three quarter of that. So I was trying to tell people as I'm going and trying to pull away. Hey, man, these are you can build your whole drink. I'm fairly confident. Do this all done. Build your whole drink in the cup while you're talking. Fill it up, and then you can kind of see where you're at, and then dump it. That way, you're not worried about where you are. So as I'm pulling away, I'm trying to mentor as well, just in case these people think. Hopefully, I can help them. You know what I mean, but. Which would have been funny if I didn't win, because I'm like, oh, this guy's helped me out, but he fucking lost. What a loser! But uh, (laughs) the final, the final one of the drinks was, um, I basically did, you know, tequila and sparkling wine cocktails are very, very difficult, so I decided to take the flavors that are of a traditional Mexican punch. Again, take down Julio 1942. Turn it into like a champagne cocktail because it's more, more cognac notes than anything. Mm-hmm. And I smoked the glass with a cinnamon stick. So I lit the cinnamon stick, kind of like put the smoke underneath, uh, made the drink with the little coops and you know, way under time again. And the, the drink was absolutely delicious. And oh, we had we had to bring an ingredient from home. Fuck, what was it? So that that was really neat. That drink landed really well as well. Um just I don't even remember the last one, man. It was just so many. I remember I brought a secret ingredient from home, but it wasn't a homemade ingredient. And I made a drink with that. Uh, no, it's coming back to me. Uh, called Viva Gonzalez. It was like, um, yeah, I think it was based on the Mexican Revolutionary. Yeah. Um, uh, 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 and the movie was called Visa Zapata. And that was about a Mexican revolutionary. And I talked about how Don Julio Gonzalez was also a Mexican revolutionary. So I might have made, I might not have made the best drink every time, but I knew was scoring points on those little droplets of knowledge. Sure. And, and, and that was really neat as well. So I wish I could remember what the other one was. And then at the very end, I think it was three guys, two girls. Uh, I felt it was between, I felt clearly I was way ahead of everybody but I felt out before and lost. And I'm like, Hey man, it's between me and you. I feel, but you never know. There was a very attractive young lady there. And sometimes they're looking for marketability over anything else. So when they read the name, I was very relieved and that was it. So that was, that was me and what they finally find up tell Charles Jolie was one of the judges that the star back competition was to be a star bar back for Charles Jolie at the Oscars. Um and they flew me out to LA. I met Charles there. We were there. The Oscars were on a Sunday night. I got there, I think on a Thursday. Went out, met a buddy of mine, um, Danny, that uh works there as a bartender. He just we went out, we went out to EO and in, in LA and it was so weird that LA closes at what time did it close? One o'clock every night, two o'clock. Yeah. Close yeah. so early. And then I met Charles Julie the next day, and it was literally two and a half hours, two and a half days of like 10 to 12 hour days of batching, batching cocktails for all the stations that Andy Seymour and uh, what's it, Liquid Labs, um, um, Tyler Hudgens, and, you know, um, a couple of people came by. So Charles, so I was just kind of like the hanger on helping out. And then people like Sean Kenyon and Leo DeGroff came by and they're, they're, they're this, they're, they are this wrecking group, just getting things done. And I was happy to be a part of it. And after the two and a half days, we got up really early. Went out drinking every night afterwards, as one does in L.A. with those guys. Sure. And, and we was there. Airbnb was a 10-minute walk from the theater. Um, we worked the Roosevelt, the Governor's Ball, which is literally like the next door over. As soon as the Oscars were over, they opened the other door. Everybody, everybody filed in. And uh, we were suited up. I was exhausted and they they counted down to they were kind of announcing over the intercom to the PA what who was winning what and all of a sudden it was over. They opened doors and hundreds of people and ball gowns and celebrities filed in. And I was very fortunate to be one of I thought I was bar backing. I was a bartender. I was bartending with Amy Seymour, Tyler Hudgens, and uh and Charles Jolie. And I did that for a couple of hours and it went by so fast and it was so busy and they were wearing tuxes. I was wearing a nice black suit, which had to look immaculate at all times. And it was surreal. One of the first people we saw at the bar was um Quentin Tarantino. I looked up and saw Quentin Tarantino talking to Tra- Nobody came to talk to me. They're like, hey, I want to talk to Charles. He's the champ, you know what I mean? Tall, good looking guy. And uh you, you know, that was it. And he was doing that, and him and him and Tyler and um Andy were just, you know, you know, running the whole show. And I was like, what do you want to do? I'm just trying to do whatever I can for him. Like just man this section. And it was really neat. And then it was over. I just looked around. I'm like, that was, that was crazy. Oh, so one of my favorite parts besides kind of seeing celebrities was somebody walks up to the bar and they have an Oscar and there's chocolate Oscars flying around everywhere. And then somebody walks up with, you know, a group with an Oscar. I'm like, hey, very nervous, exhausted. What's that made out of chocolate? And she hands it to me. She's like, hey, yeah, does it feel like it's made out of chocolate? And the Oscar <laughs> was heavy. So I'm holding an Oscar and it had to be eight or 10 pounds. And I'm like, oh my God, this is heavy. She's so like, give me your camera. I'm like, okay. And this was only maybe about my age or so standing with a, a group of other gentlemen. Um, if you can hear it right now, maybe you can't, uh, it's eight o'clock here in Paris and everybody's cheering on the first responders and the doctors and the nurses. So people yeah. are on the balconies playing in the pots and pans and whistling and cheering. So that's yeah, pretty man. awesome. I see, I see that spreading. And this will go on for another couple of minutes. Yeah, they're um, doing it here at seven, which is really cool to see. Yeah, it's great. Uh, so back to the Oscars. So I asked, I'm like, so I'm like, oh my God, what did we win it for? She's like, this is for best animation for Toy Story 4. So I looked at the back of it. and It was the Oscar for Toy Story 4. And I'm like, shit. oh my God. I'm like, ah, I gave it back to her. I'm like, thank you very much. What can I get for you? You know what I mean? And that was really weird. I'm like, you guys see me with that Oscar? And I had asked Charles if he had ever got back it up a couple of days, ever got starstruck. Uh, and he said, not really. Um, because he's been doing this for a couple of years, but he said a couple of the people that came that night to the bar that I didn't even see. Um, I saw Quentin Tarantino very well off. I'm like, yeah, I see you holding that Oscar. You're like, yeah, that was really cool. Did you guys see Joaquin uh, Phoenix come up to the bar? I'm like, I didn't see everybody but me. So I, I would have like been. that would have been pretty impressive. He's like, that w- that was pretty impressive. Where I don't know, every it was just really super cool. Yeah, man, it's got to be it a it was uh, experience. definitely a once in a lifetime experience. Yeah. Yeah, 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 you know, you're walking around that the, the, the arena for, for days and two and a half days, and in a matter of hours, it's all over. And it's, it's just like the drinks were amazing, and like you know, how these guys executed. It was just, it was awe inspiring on that level, on that level of thousands and thousands and thousands of batched out cocktails at different stations. I was like, man, that was it. I want to, if you guys ever need any, any hands again, I'll be there. Sure. Super impressive. Again, whether it be that event or anything back here, just helping out with Bar 5 Day to help other people
0: on their journey. I'm like, Chad, how long have you been bartending? Oh God, uh, been in the business for a little over 15 years.
1: That's a long time, right? Was, was, that, was anything like this on your radar screen? I don't even know if Bar 5 Day was around back then. Were any of these really cool things that people can sign up for? Camp Runamuck, um, Bar 5 Day, um, all all these cool bartender things. There wasn't any of this shit when it happened. So I'm hoping as an old timer now to show people that there's other cool things too you can do, not just, I'm a bartender now, I have bartender tattoos, hanging out with other bartenders, which is a cool, fun thing to do, guilty. But there's other cool things too, like learn things that aren't necessarily Fernet and Jaeger. And, and I'm not knocking any of those things, but there seems to be certain products in the beginning that a lot of, you know beginners kind of latch on to like learn about calvados learn about cognac learn about sake like beer is kind of easy even though it's not a completely easy subject but or just learn how to be a fucking decent human being because you can learn how to make the drinks eventually yeah i don't know i just wanted people to see that not everybody does things the way i do them you've seen me work i don't know i'm not everybody's cup of tea but i'd like to think i try to give our guests you know the experience that they want um, and there's other cool ways to do stuff. And I think where I'm at at Covina is the right place for me to do the thing that I do. And I'd like to think that they want me to do the thing that I do because that's how they want it done. And I don't know. I thought Ted was really cool in how he did it. And I think Tim and Nancy have a really cool, um, grasp on hospitality. And, um, I'd like to think I'm pretty humble about the things that I do, but I also excited about it. Yeah. And I'm never going to bartend at the Oscars again, probably but like, it's really cool. And like, how did I get there? I I, I took advice from a lot of people. I knew how to make different drinks. I knew how to talk to the judges. I knew how to dabble little bits about the brand in there. I didn't really, really star fuck anybody. You know what I mean?
0: I don't know, man. Just, just, I think it's, uh, it's, you know, this is definitely one of those businesses where you can get ahead of yourself really quick and, um, skip steps. And, uh, you know, one of the most important things is, the, you know, well, I think one of the most successful things about taking care of other people is just being humble and being gracious, man. And um, that's that I think that's the main aspect of the job that you can't train people on. And, um, you know, you, you also people in general, I think habitual creatures that we are, um, you get into a rhythm of doing something, you show up to work every day, and you, you know, especially if you work at a busy place, it's easy to get lost in that and forget that, like, there are there are so many options and there's so much available and there's so much knowledge. And, you know, those guys God. didn't just stumble on the yeah. opportunity of bartending at the Oscars. Like they went out and found that opportunity because it was, Oh really no. uh, yeah, those, you yeah. know, you, you work, you work your hard ass to work. To I mean, definitely a, a lot of hard.
1: Yeah. That was, that was my thing. We were, uh, you know, you worked for the roof too, and the roof and co. We were both nominated for the last two years. And I'm like, after this, I'm like, hey, man, I'm we're a byproduct of what we do. That's cool. I don't really want to change what we do. Um, and my my goal right now is, I, not that I don't care about it. It's again, if we got nominated again, I would be thrilled. But I'm like, I'd rather just keep, especially now, this is before the virus hit. I just want to keep asses in the seats. My measure of success now, is uh, are we going to keep people coming in the seats? People want to hear that your tail's nominated. There's a there's the thing about that. They want to know. They want to be reinforced that they're in a spot that's recognized. And I get that. So that's cool. But other times it's just come here and we'll give you good food, good conversation, good drinks. We're always working on something. Me and the team at Covina are always trying to be super creative and, and having fun. And if you sit at the bar, who, no matter who you are, you can be a part of that. You can just be sitting there minding your own business. You might get a free drink in front of you. You can be asking me, hey, what are you working on right here? Here, tastes this. Like, it's yeah. very open, and we're always trying to do things. And again, that's not to win a, That's not to win awards. That's to not be in that rut. That's not to be super comfortable. Yeah. That's to change the drinks. You know what I mean? And it kind of keeps us on our toes. Well, the but hope, it's also a bit of a distraction.
0: The hope, I think, uh, for everybody is that, you know, we're going to come out the other side of this, and that people are going to have a real need and necessity again for, you know, person to person connection and want to get back out and experience those things and, and, and really are yearning for it and, 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 and not be terrified of, you know, some, you know, foreign consequence of being out in a social situation. So hopefully we can get to that point. Cause I, I mean, I, that's people, I think, uh, uh, in, and, and guests in particular, are the reason that. You know, we do what we do. The drinks are a byproduct, and they're they're definitely amazing, and they're the creative outlet. But like the the uniqueness of dealing with people at the scale that we do, and meeting people every day, and interacting with our colleagues like that's I think why you really get into the trade. Ben is just the guest interaction, and you know the cocktails are are amazing and incredible, and they keep they keep you challenged, and you know but it's still, I think, a byproduct of service. It's, it, it is, it is a fantastic, uh, creative outlet, but a byproduct.
1: Um, I, I would be super flattered again when people come back because they're going to want to go out. They're going to want to go to their favorite spots or they're going to remember the places Where's you know, where's the first place that you want to go when you're able, it's going to be your local dive just as you a shot in a beer. You're going to go see your your boys, your girls, as you and your girlfriend have uh, a favorite spot, where is it that you want to go? And that could be anybody, anybody out there. Where do you want to go when this is over, when it's okay to go out? You know what I yeah. mean? Where there's some kind of normalcy. You're going to want to go to a spot that makes you feel good. Yep. Probably it makes you feel comfortable. I got a feeling because I'll have been in Paris for maybe two months by the time I get back. People are going to come see me, say, how was it? And then I'm going to ask them how their time was. And we're going to bond and we're going to connect and we're going to share stories. And again, that's a lot of part of it as well, and that—that's what keeps a lot of the guests coming back at Covina because we have usually that time at the bar to kind of just really connect, which is really neat. Um, and I don't know if you get a lot of that just at cocktail bars. You might want a great drink, but at the end of the day, where are you going to go? You're going to run to just a cocktail bar. You're going to want to go somewhere that feels like it's a part of your neighborhood, a part of your, a part of your home.
0: Yeah, man. So, you want to go to your Cheers.
1: Yeah. And I'm hoping Coven is that cheers for a lot of people. We've seemed to have been doing very, very well for the last couple of years. And, you know, I'm excited to see the roof. I think the roof, you know, it's, it's going to be challenging. I mean, what can you do with a rooftop bar after after the scare is going to be limited in parties or how are you going to try to pack that, that roof and make money um, when that's what it does yeah. Um, for maybe half the season, and I'd like to see how it all unfolds. But you know that that group is very, very creative, so we'll see. And I don't know. I, I'm just very happy where I'm at because I just see it being the most
0: user friendly of the versions of food, drinks, conversation. Yeah, yeah, man. Well, I I really uh, it's it been fantastic catching up with you, man. And I, I hope you're uh, you're able. I, I know you're doing well over there, but I hope you're able to get back here soon because uh, I know a lot of folks probably miss you, including myself. Um, if you want to shout out anybody right now uh, that in particular in New York that you haven't talked to in a little while, go for it.
1: Uh, Luis Hernandez, Rafa Garcia, Febles, um, Jesus Christ, all my whole, my crew at Covina, Tim and Nancy Cushman, <laughs> Aaron Young, a lot of people I've been kind of thinking about and that I'm kind of reflecting about what got me to actually be here in Paris. Um, you know, I think about these people all the time, my friends from back home. I called my buddy, Billy, who I bartended for for years just to kind of check in. And these are the times where I'm thinking about my journey. Uh, and I look forward to coming home. I look forward to grabbing a beer or a shot with each and every one of you, um, whenever that is. And hopefully we can laugh about some of this and, man, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting to see what happens, but big shout out to all my people in the industry that are, that are still doing it. And that are struggling because I,
0: I, it's, it's got to be hard. I just, I can't imagine. Yeah, man. man I think, but I, I can imagine it from here. <laughs> I think, uh, the, the fortunate thing about the, the hospitality business, uh, I think that works in our favor in times like this more than any other trade is, is the, the sense of family and community. And I, I've the outpouring of help that's come from people on Facebook and the groups and guys like Luttrell and, you know, uh, all the, all the industry reps that have put these pages together of, of, you know, condensed resources and, you know, community funds and, and you know uh, tip jars online i mean it it is really fantastic to see that and you know uh, the amount of reciprocation that's going around and people looking out for each other and even even beyond that i think what you said is absolutely correct that you know sometimes the best thing for somebody that's been isolated for a month now is a phone call just to check in hey what's up how are you i just want to make sure you're okay and it doesn't need to be a bartender yeah. it can be an owner that you know, is uncertain about their future, you know, somebody you've worked for in the past, but it, it's so important right now to do that. Yeah.
1: Yeah, man. I'll, I'll say that to anybody that's listening right now. If you're thinking, if there's anybody you can think of, you're like, I haven't talked to that person. while.
0: Fucking call that person. Absolutely, brother. All right, man, we'll hang in there. Uh, it, it'll be great to have a beer with you when you get back into New York. And uh, thanks again for your time. I really appreciate it, man. Chad, thanks for having me, man. I'll see you soon. Take care. All right, brother. You too. Bye-bye. Peace.